0: Welcome to OCBC Insights. I'm Hong Wei, credit research analyst from OCBC Bank. I cover the Singapore property market and in today's podcast, I'll cover five W's and two H's. These include, what happened in the Singapore property market in 2020? Why didn't prices fall despite the recession? Who is buying properties? Where would be an ideal location to buy? When is a good time to buy? How much would property prices move? Last but not least, also give you a small tip on how to tell if yours truly is making good sense and giving good recommendation let me start with the first W which is what in 2020 property prices rose more than 2% which is surprising to me because we had a recession and COVID-19 was rampaging through the world the last time we had a recession was in the global financial crisis when property prices fell fast and hard so why didn't it happen this time The short answer is that this time is different, unlike the global financial crisis. There were fewer forced sellers due to the deferral of mortgages, and job losses were partly mitigated due to the job support scheme. Prices didn't run up as much prior to 2020, unlike the annual increase of more than 10% prior to the global financial crisis. There is also a narrowing demand supply gap in 2020. Unsold units in the market came down significantly. From roughly thirty-seven thousand in one Q two thousand and nineteen to roughly twenty-seven thousand in three Q two thousand and twenty, so it is a drop of roughly ten thousand. Meanwhile, demand has kept up with total sales in two thousand and twenty, surpassing that of two thousand and nineteen. It is quite interesting why demand is still so strong despite the recession. There's a few factors at play. The K-shaped recovery gave confidence to those who experienced booming recoveries. Borrowings are cheaper due to rock-bottom interest rates. Demand may also be triggered because we are spending a lot more time at home than outside. But why should demand increase during a recession? Who's really buying? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the land of the crazy rich. The average Singapore household is rich enough to buy a private property. Looking at SingStat data, by income, 70% of the households can buy a $1 million condominium. Using also the SYNCSTAT data, looking at currency and deposits as well as CPF. The average household affordability is even stronger. There's enough savings to buy a $1.5 million property. The average Singapore household is not just cash rich, but also getting richer very rapidly. Currency and deposits grew by more than 8% per annum over the past 15 years. CPF grew even faster at close to 10% per annum. So where are some of these monies going? They have gone to properties in outside central region and rest of central regions. Property prices in these areas have solidly outperformed properties in landed segment and core central region since the global financial crisis. 2020 only made the relative outperformance bigger. In 2020, core central region prices was flattish, while outside central region prices rose more than 3%. So when is it a good time to buy? Yesteryear was definitely a better time to buy. Prices are already at its 52-week high now, if not the 56-year high since independence. However, is it too late to buy? In today's environment, I think there may be few better alternatives for investments. Deposit rates and bond use have already crashed. Meanwhile, the STI's performance over the past 10 years have not really been solid. So how much better would properties be as an investment? We expect property prices to rise 5-8% in 2021. This will be supported by demand from the very rich Singapore households. Market momentum has also been positive with prices rising 2% quarter and quarter in 4Q 2020 itself. We don't expect property developers to cut prices given that the sentiments are recovering. Also the unsold units have been fallen and the supply of property may shrink a lot more going ahead because the government has not been releasing a lot of land for sale. Finally, before we get ahead of ourselves, would the government step in with property cooling measures? So far my sensing is no, the government has mentioned that it is closely watching the situation but it has yet to outright call the market as bubbly or exuberant. Now. How do you know if yours truly can be trusted upon for analysis? I mean, you don't have to listen to me, but I can see property agents and consultants always saying that properties are good to buy. Okay, I mean, that's a half joke. But recently I've been seeing more and more agents recommending homeowners to sell. To me, this is the interesting part. My conclusion is that while it is hard to find buyers, it seems to be getting increasingly hard to find sellers too. I think this should tell you a bit about the demand and supply dynamics. Anyway on all seriousness, last bit on how refers to how you can best position yourself. If you are not already sold on properties but considering property shares on bonds, you may want to know how property developers are doing. Here, I'll take a quote from Bond. Shaken, but not stirred. In case you are wondering which bond, that's James Bond. Property developers are shaken because they undertook significant impairments and fall in profits in 2020. However, they are not stirred because they have mostly survived 2020 even for those who are the most leveraged. The recovery and growth of the property market should help to support their margins and sales. However, residential property is just one part of the property developer's portfolio. The other assets that they hold include industrial, office, retail, and hospitality. For these asset types, my collector tea will provide more insights in her podcast on reads. Do tune in to our podcast as I've come to the end of my podcast. Goodbye! This has been a podcast from OCBC Bank. Follow us on Spotify for more episodes like the one you've just heard.